Hi. I'm Lone Candle, and I'm here to tell you the truth about Antifa. First, I'll talk about their core argument. Then, mention their history and antecedents, followed by discussing their recent activity and what to do about them. The Antifa argument is interesting. I don't agree with it, but it isn't fundamentally flawed. Arguments can be flat-out wrong. They make a logical or factual mistake. Antifa's argument does not do that. They argue that fascism is an inherently violent ideology. Fascists want a society where some group, usually based on race, dominates the other. This domination isn't based on democracy, but force. We've seen historically what happens when fascists come to power. They kill masses of their own people and others. It took a great amount of money and lives to stop the Nazis in World War II. We have to stop them early. We should fight them in the streets now with our fists so we don't have to fight them later with tanks and planes. Diminish their influence with relatively light tactics now so that we prevent the great death that would result from a more powerful fascism. Nothing in there is flat out wrong, although I disagree with it on three levels. A. I prefer classic free speech, where even the most disgusting people can speak and the grossest ideas can be spoken. It doesn't mean we have to let them do it in our house or with our media company. But if they obtain a place to speak, we let them do it. We then defeat their ideas with better ideas. Once we start saying force can ban one idea, that opens the door to banning others. And we shouldn't go down that road. At first, maybe we'll only ban truly bad ideas. But society can be wrong about other ideas, and we may suppress harmless or even correct ideas later. The ability to ban ideas can be abused in the future by bad actors. The only way to truly guarantee our free speech is to say that any idea can be spoken and the force of government or the violence of people in society cannot interfere with such speech. B. I believe violent tactics often backfire. Sure, sometimes violently challenging Nazis and the like may work, but other times it may rally them. You may create martyrs. Rather than fleeing, fascists may be energized by the threat and increase their organizing and recruiting efforts. I believe this has been happening recently. However, I can't know for sure whether Antifa is wrong here. I don't know what happens in the counterfactual where Antifa never existed. It's possible that fascist movements would be much stronger without the violent tactics of Antifa. But that's not what appears to be happening to me. C. I suspected from when I first heard about Antifa that they wouldn't be good at targeting. That suspicion has been borne out. There are still people who exist who consider themselves Nazis or fascists. There are other people who are racist or bigoted in such a way where it is close enough. But Antifa doesn't just see fascism in only these ideologies. They see a variety of conservative groups and ideas as fascist and worthy of a beating. 
They see federal agents as fascists. They see local police as fascists. They see people who annoy them as fascists. They see people in the wrong place at the wrong time as fascists. I'm against violence to prevent speech in the first place. But if you're gonna do it, at least hit your target. I knew they could not, because groups of people revved up with hatred and violence usually have trouble seeing only the true evil as evil. The enemy easily expands to anything that kind of resembles the true evil. Eventually, they change from a group that fights off legitimate Nazis to a group regularly destroying innocent people's property and assaulting police officers trying to defend that property and the democratic laws of the city. And this poor targeting weakens their ability to fight Nazis because it creates disapproval and enemies of Antifa. If Antifa just kept to punching, doxing, and discouraging the platforming of actual Nazis, there would not be such an amalgamation of people against them. That said, the blurry merger of right-wing groups, Trump supporters, nationalists, and fully racist and Nazi groups makes targeting more difficult and eases an alliance of these groups against Antifa, even if Antifa only attacked the true racists. Antifa-like organizations predate World War II. They started in Europe as groups of people fighting the original Nazis. Different groups in Europe and the United States followed their example. Antifa got hold in Portland because of the punk music scene. This scene involves a lot of skinheads, both fascist and non-fascist. Reasonably, the non-fascist skinheads and punk music fans didn't like racist, violent Nazis ruining their parties, attacking minorities, and giving punk music a bad name. Nazis don't leave without force, so the non-fascists grouped up and fought the Nazis off. Apparently, they successfully chased the fascists out of the punk music scene. This would be an example of their actions working. This isn't exactly attacking their free speech, and the Nazis may have actually been causing trouble, so the actions of Antifa groups in these situations may have been justified. Different groups formed that focused on being anti-racist and anti-fascist. They have chapters around the world but the groups are quite decentralized. They might share ideas, but it's really just a bunch of small local groups, not a top-down organization. Antifa almost always is wrapped up in left-wing ideology, often communism or anarchist communism. The anarchist part of the anarchist communism is that they don't want any large government. They think communism will work with local communes. Some of them believe that property rights are linked to racism and white supremacy and that law enforcement enforces the evil rules of the state. Thus, they attack police. Nothing about the basic Antifa argument I discussed earlier requires left-wing thinking. You could be a die-hard conservative and still think we need to fight Nazis wherever they rear their heads because Nazis and fascists are inherently dangerous, and violence now prevents them from growing. But Antifa is almost always wrapped up in left-wing beliefs on top of their violence-justifying arguments. Because most members of the American Democratic Party are not communist, and even those that call themselves socialist are more like liberal welfare statists, Antifa does not fall well within the Democratic Party. They are against both parties, although certainly they will gain more sympathy from the left of center party because Antifa's ideology is more on the left. Antifa attacks Democratic headquarters and shouts, fuck Biden. They are not friends with the Democratic Party. Another important factor about Antifa is it consists of two groups of people, those a part of official organizations and those inspired by Antifa. 
Some people may take violent actions and shout or post on social media that they are Antifa or they do this for Antifa, but those people often are not a part of the formal organizations. This is where you hear the phrase that Antifa is an idea. Antifa is not just an idea because there are decentralized organizations, but there is also a lot of unorganized actors who take actions by the example and ideas of Antifa. One of the more known Antifa organizations, the Rose City Antifa, has formally written to say they have not been organizing recent protests, saying that while many of the people involved may consider themselves anti-fascist in ideology, we narrowly define anti-fascism as actions taken to oppose the insurgent right wing. Under this definition, protests that are not involved in direct opposition to far-right violence and instead combat the state, capitalism, etc. would be more accurately described as anarchist, anti-capitalist, anti-authoritarian, or another term. End quote. That statement by a much-discussed Antifa group reveals how eclectic Antifa is. Their core is anti-right wing, but it often involves left-wing ideology. There are some who are more focused on their left-wing ideology and call themselves anti-fascists who other anti-fascists don't see as anti-fascists. I'm using the term Antifa pretty generally here, but it's important to realize that some Antifa may not consider those that I call Antifa, Antifa. Portland has a strong history of anarchist violence, and it doesn't make sense to consider all of that Antifa. Antifa has, and does, work by a variety of methods. My focus here is their violence, but they also are famous for doxing, where they find the identities of those in Nazi groups and display that to the public. Doxing can be fair, or it can fall under the umbrella of violence. If doxing is just to let the public know that this individual is a fascist racist who organized with fascist racists to achieve the evil goals that Nazis have, and the doxing isn't facilitating violence or threats upon these people, I think this is fair game. If I'm an employer, I shouldn't know about your sexual habits. They are none of my business. I don't need to know your political opinions. But if you organize to eliminate or suppress people based on race or some other basic category, I don't want you working for me. And I want to know that's what you do. Doxing is dangerous for similar reasons that stopping free speech is dangerous, but it is different. Doxing is just giving me information about people. Then I still have to take an action to act on the information. With the free speech case, the attackers are stopping the free speech by themselves without need of a second actor. Also, people have a fundamental right to say what they please, but they don't have a fundamental right to force people to associate with them. If I don't want to associate with Nazis, they shouldn't be able to force me to, and information helping me avoid such associations is helpful. That said, doxing is often wrapped up in violence or threats. If doxing is used to attack people's property or person, or to threaten it or that person and their family, has to live in fear, then doxing is facilitating unjustified violence and falls in the same category as literally punching a Nazi. Antifa has done much of the innocent doxing, and this has apparently been successful at limiting Nazi groups. However, as Antifa activities heat up, more and more of the doxing seems to be of the violent kind, and their poor targeting of who actually is a fascist applies to doxing as well. I've already been discussing Antifa, but I want to drill into Portland 
which has been the height of consistent property destruction and violence. Formerly organized Antifa or anarchist groups, and those with similar tactics, have dressed in all black and taken to the streets on night after night to damage property and challenge police officers. During the day, there were large protests that were mostly peaceful. Antifa may have joined these, but such peaceful protests are no problem and are a legitimate exercise of democratic rights. In the evening is when Antifa has generally caused trouble. There was also violence and property destruction related to these protests that have nothing to do with Antifa. Some of this was people who went out to protest and got caught up in the moment. We should be careful not to label these as Antifa, because this behavior is really of a different nature. Rather than having an ideology, organization, and behavior of regular violence and property destruction, these are people who got carried away in a moment, but are not consistent criminals. The evening events often include people who are there just to protest, as well as onlookers who want to see the action. Unfortunately, they get caught up in the violence and are used by Antifa. Violent people love to use regular protesters as shields. They will let non-violent protesters be close to police, while Antifa-minded people stand behind them launching projectiles at law enforcement. There have been some exaggerations of what's in these projectiles. For example, claims that there was concrete in milkshakes are unfounded. But water bottles, at times filled with urine, fireworks, and Molotov cocktails have been thrown. Property damage usually consists of setting fires, breaking windows, and graffiti. Antifa intentionally antagonizes police. They want police to attack, knowing that such attacks will look bad, knowing that innocent protesters will be unjustly targeted by police. Antifa are playing a PR game. They try to avoid the filming of their attacks on police or recording the police response. Police have fucked up many times, arresting and attacking people who clearly should not have been attacked. And while tear gas is appropriate to break up a riot, many reports claim it has been misused. I wouldn't give a blanket statement defending police tactics. However, the police are being attacked, and they face a chaotic situation against an intelligent foe. Antifa baits them and then revels in the media coverage of police attacking protesters and making mistakes attacking people who didn't deserve violence or arrest. Antifa tactics are similar to the original civil rights movements. Blacks would march, knowing police would attack, but also knowing that the world would see it and be appalled. The difference is, the police action against blacks at the time was totally outrageous, unethical, and racist. Police trying to limit property damage and protect themselves from criminals is legitimate. Nevertheless, Antifa tactics are the same. Bait the police into violence and making mistakes, then show the world. In the view of many Antifa aggressors, the police are just as bad as neo-Nazi groups. They want police defunded, disbanded, abolished, and ultimately want anarchy. They hope to reveal the police's bad behavior by antagonizing them. I'm all for careful police reform, but this is a clear case of Antifa confusing problematic policing with the true evil itself. The Portland Bureau of Police is not a fascist organization. But many Antifa believers have poorly targeted their hatred at law enforcement. There is Antifa mania on the right. It's important not to pretend like most Black Lives Matters or police reform protests are violent. Most are peaceful. Also, let's not blame every criminal act we see on Antifa. Let's not exaggerate Antifa. Antifa is relatively small and only one person has died by an Antifa-inspired assailant. 
there's been a problem with right-wing extremists creating fake Antifa accounts online and encouraging violence from these accounts, as well as many accusations in the media of Antifa actions that are totally false. Something to note is that out of the many people being prosecuted for protest-related violence, very few are clearly related to Antifa. This indicates a combination of the exaggeration of Antifa and that the hardcore members are good at not getting caught with sufficient evidence. Any comparison to right-wing groups is pretty silly because both are bad and neither fairly represent the mainstream political thought of either side. Antifa really has nothing to do with standard liberals, and the KKK has nothing to do with modern conservatives. However, I know people want to make the comparison, and the truth is, right-wing groups are far more of a threat. The plot to kidnap the governor of Michigan wasn't planned by Antifa. The Department of Homeland Security isn't saying that Antifa is the most persistent and lethal threat. The Capitol building of the United States during a joint session of Congress wasn't stormed by Antifa. Muslims, Jews, and blacks aren't murdered at their places of worship by Antifa. More than 300 people have not been killed by Antifa. That is the count of right-wing killings. The count of people killed by someone professing Antifa ideology is one. Far more people are killed by right-wing groups than left-wing ones. The threat of and attacks by right-wing groups have been clearly worse. There is no comparison. But the comparison doesn't matter. Either way, Antifa does exist as a decentralized group and an inspiring ideology. They do regularly commit violent and property crimes. We should not be in denial of this and should support efforts to stop it. At that, why the hell is this still going on? We need concentrated efforts to arrest and charge these guys. Because we live in a proper democracy that gives its citizens rights, this means we need evidence beyond a reasonable doubt that particular individuals committed crimes. Unfortunately, Antifa is smart. They cover themselves and dress similarly. They hide in crowds that make it hard for police to get them. Police don't like to charge into crowds to get someone throwing objects because it's dangerous for police and inflames the whole crowd who often don't understand the legitimate police sortie. Even if arrested, it's hard for police to gain good evidence in the chaos of the crowds, protest, tear gas, and rioting. We have to find ways to get evidence on these guys and put them behind bars. Cameras, drones, undercover officers, something. It has to be a focused effort, not just to defend property and riot gear, but to obtain the evidence needed to get convictions. If Antifa member after Antifa member is thrown behind bars, that will greatly reduce their activity. Peaceful protesters also need to start reporting on the violence. If you're going out to protest and see property destruction or violence, report it. If you got photographic evidence, give it to police. The criminals shouldn't be the allies of protesters. There have been outcries about district attorneys dropping cases, but most of this is a red herring. When group violence happens, the police declare a riot. In the chaos, police don't know who the true criminals are. So lots of people are arrested with riot charges, sometimes with other weak charges like staying out past curfews. Most of these people are just peaceful protesters or onlookers or even people in the wrong place at the wrong time. 
the criminal justice system doesn't have the resources to prosecute all these people. So as a practicality, we have to let most of them go. Also, justice demands we don't prosecute these people. It wouldn't be right to prosecute someone who just went out to protest. Even if they were breaking curfew, the draconian enforcement of laws is no just way to implement justice. So, when you see an outcry at large numbers of cases dropped, stop and look at what the evidence is for what these people actually did. Almost always, these people didn't do shit and should be let go. Or, there simply isn't enough evidence to prosecute. People for whom there is evidence of property destruction or violence are being prosecuted. Although, for property damage under $1,000, conditional dismissal has been offered if restitution is paid or other amends are made. Another category of people is those who legitimately broke the law, but are not consistent criminals. These aren't Antifa members, but people who are upset over perceived mistreatment by police and in the heat of the moment, light something on fire. Ten years in prison will ruin a person's life. We've got to have compassion for those who make mistakes, especially if said fire didn't cause extensive damage or loss of life, which most do not. These individuals should get off with something light, like community service. The people who we need to get are repeat criminals, including Antifa, who go out again and again to commit crimes. This cannot stand. Leaders and police have to find ways to get convictions in the court of law. It'd be one thing if Antifa just stuck to fighting actual Nazis. Then I'd be fine for light sentences. Essentially, you got two groups of assholes fighting and only really doing harm to each other. But when businesses are being damaged, police injured, and police departments wasting tremendous resources protecting themselves and others from Antifa, then we got to get serious and have a real campaign to throw criminal Antifa individuals behind bars. If these people aren't really Antifa, but just anarchists, all the same, we've got to obtain evidence and prosecute. I'm Lone Candle. Like me? Come at me. Love me.